Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You can find out more about my work as an intuitive and teacher at karenhager.com. And if you follow me on Instagram, where I'm Fog City Psychic, you'll find more Out of the Fog content, photos of Maisie the puppy, who maybe isn't a puppy anymore. She had her first birthday during this last week and always lots of jigsaw puzzles and sometimes some yarn thrown in. So all that merriment is over on Instagram where I'm Fog City Psychic. Now then, everyone dreams, even babies in the womb. But most dreams are forgotten when we wake up and often we don't understand or we don't know how to tap into the healing and perspective they can bring us. So what does it mean to be an awake dreamer? Samantha Fay is my guest today, and she's here to help us discover how we can tap into that dream state to receive guidance and inspiration, and maybe even to help connect us with our loved ones who have passed over. Are you ready to meet her? Samantha Fay is the author of The Awake Dreamer, Lucid Dreaming, Astral Travel, and Mastering the Dreamscape, which asks readers to look at dreaming in a whole new way. She's the co-host of two popular podcasts, Psychic Teachers and Enlightened Empaths, both of which teach listeners how to embrace and celebrate their innate sensitivity and gifts. Samantha has advanced degrees in education and is a Reiki master who writes and teaches all over the world about crystals, Reiki, healing, and intuition. You can find out more at samanthafay.com. Samantha, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk with you. What is happening when we're dreaming? Because it's more than just a kind of a, a dump of all the stuff that happened during the day, right? What's going on there? Yeah, I think sometimes it can be a little bit of a mind dump when we've had a stressed out day, but the book that I wrote, The Awake Dreamer, is more about when we have those dreams that don't really feel like dreams. So as you know, we are made up of a lot of wonderful things. We've got a mind, we've got a body, and we have a soul. And I believe that when we sleep, our mind has to rest and our body has to rest. But our soul is connected to the other side by that beautiful silver cord we've heard so many astral travelers talk about or near-death experiencers and because it is always energized by that cord connected to the other side, the soul never needs to rest. And so I really believe that when we sleep, our soul is traveling. And sometimes we're traveling to people in the here and now that might need uh, some comfort or guidance or prayers while they're sleeping. Other times I think we do travel to the other side and we're able to meet with our loved ones who have gone before us or connect with our guides and angels to get some confirmation or guidance on our soul plan. And some, I think some of us are called to be what I call night workers or soul travelers. And those of us who are doing healing work during the day are called upon at night to continue this work. And so you might have dreams crossing over earthbounds or helping people who are processing their life review who have just crossed over. And so in the book, I have all sorts of stories, but also research to back up my findings that something really magical is happening when we're sleeping. I think of that just in the, my own way that I teach. I talk about that as people working a second shift, right? Yeah. You work your awake shift and then you're on the second shift where you are um, doing that soul travel at work. Do you feel like that work that we are doing when we are sleeping 
is that is that work just as valuable even if we're not aware of it? Do you know what I'm asking? Because it yes. isn't really work for us, but maybe that does take us farther along our soul's journey. Yes, I do think so. And I, and I sometimes I wonder if it's even more important than the work we're doing when we're awake. Because I had this really fascinating, quote unquote, dream during the first part of COVID. And I don't know about you, Karen, but when I don't remember my dreams, I feel very disconnected from spirit. I feel very kind of off center and like what's happening to my connection. Because most of my intuitive information comes to me through dreams. So I wasn't remembering my dreams during the first part of the COVID lockdown. I had three kids at home who were learning how to do online schooling. And, you know, we were all worried about, I don't know, the state of the world. Like it was just a very stressful time. And studies show that when you are stressed out and your body is producing more cortisol than it needs, it actually inhibits our ability to remember dreams. So it's very common to not remember your dreams. However, after trying everything I've been researching about how to remember dreams. I finally had a dream during COVID where I was around this conference table with my guides and they were telling me all this important stuff. And I was getting very mad. And I said, look, I haven't remembered my dreams in like two months. I don't understand why you guys are giving me all this important information if I'm not going to remember it when I wake up. And one of my guides turned to me and said, your soul remembers, your soul knows. And that's all that matters. Mm. And, and I think that is so true. And so I think even for anyone out there listening, going, I don't know if I'm going to listen to this podcast because I don't remember my dreams. Your soul remembers. And, and that is what matters. Are there things that we can do to help us remember our dreams? That thing about cortisol is is fascinating. What are some of the things that we can do to to help us remember our dreams? There's so many wonderful things you can do. You can, and some of them are hard, okay? Like one of them that I have a hard time with, you're supposed to stop drinking caffeine at midday. Now, I don't know about you, Karen, but at midday, that's when I start to slump and I need that next caffeine. (laughs) (laughs) But studies show if you have caffeine past midday, it's going to inhibit your ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. And that's how we remember our dreams because you have to get into that REM state, rapid eye movement state of dreaming in order to recall dreams. And the only way you're going to get into that REM sleep is if you fall asleep and stay asleep. So if you have little children or little puppies, or if you just are someone who wakes up a lot, it is going to be harder for you to remember your dreams. Even though with all of that, there are still some things you can do. If you stop all TV and electronics an hour before you go to bed and spend that last hour in bed, meditating, reading, journaling, or just staring up at the ceiling, whatever works for you, that is going to help you remember your dreams. Keeping any blue lights out of your your bedroom, like a Wi-Fi router, a printer, a TV, Anything that's that's emitting that blue light, that affects our melatonin production, which is going to, again, affect your sleep cycle. Things that you eat and drink also affect your dreams. So we mentioned caffeine, but also alcohol is a depressant. It's going to depress your nervous system, which makes it harder for dream recall. Nicotine is a stimulant. It's going to increase that. So that's going to make it more difficult. But there are some things you can do. Eating bananas is has been shown because of its magnesium and vitamin B content. It's been shown to help relax muscles and help 
recall dreams because your muscles are relaxed, which means your whole body is going to go into that deeper REM sleep more easily. Writing down your dreams in the morning, the very first thing is super important. And even if you don't remember anything, write down, I did not remember anything. Just write down how you felt. Was there a music or a song lyric playing in your head? Did you remember a color, anything, right? Write it down. You can talk, text it into your phone. You can keep a proper journal, whatever works for you. But truly, that is the number one thing you can do to help remember your dreams is write them down, engage them, talk about them. If you if you live with someone, just be be annoying and ask them, what'd you dream about last night? Mm-hmm. And then tell them what you dreamed about. I know most people don't like to listen to other people's dreams, but talking about your dreams has been shown to be incredibly effective at increasing dream recall. You can also wear something. Like a lot of people will wear like a, a bracelet or just a red string around their, their wrist as a reminder that every time they look at it, they say to themselves, I will remember my dreams tonight. So little subconscious recall, things like that is very helpful. And then finally, one of my favorite tips is set two alarms, one alarm for when you have to wake up and the other alarm set for one to two hours before you have to wake up. When that first early, early alarm goes off, do not snooze it, just turn it off. Allow yourself to fall back asleep until your actual alarm wakes you up and you will remember at least the last dream you have if you do that. Oh, that's fast. That's fascinating. I am not. So you were saying you get a lot of your intuitive connection and stuff in dreams. My, I, it isn't that way for me, but when I'm remembering dreams, I'm almost always remembering the last, whatever it was I was dreaming when the alarm went off. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. We do most of our dreaming in the third part of our sleep state anyway. So if you wake yourself up in the middle of it and then fall back asleep, it's almost guaranteed you'll remember at least one dream that way. You write in the book about precognitive dreams, dreams that foreshadow events, sometimes delightful events and sometimes scary events. And I'm wondering if we're looking for greater awareness in our dreams, if we're wanting to tap deeper into that dreamscape to take a look at what is my soul doing? How am I growing? What information is there that I'm missing? If we're going to tap deeper into that, is it safe to play with or invite future visions in our dreams. And if we do that, and if we're having precognitive dreams, how accurate are those going to be? In my experience, they tend to be pretty accurate. However, I'm not sure how we can invite them. I've never been able to invite a precognitive dream. The things I can control in my dream, if we're talking about lucid dreaming or astral travel dreams or just intuitive guidance dreams, A great tip for listeners, if you write down a question that you're really worried about, you know, what, what can I do to increase my finances or what avenue should I take in my job or what is blocking me from manifesting a relationship? Just write down a question that you're kind of worried about and tuck it under your pillow and read it every night before you go to sleep. Within two weeks, you will have a dream that gives you insight into that. But with the precognitive dreams, they come like little gifts from the sky. And I don't, I could be wrong. I just haven't come across any research and I have not experienced where I can say, I would like to have a precognitive dream tonight. They tend to just kind of drop in. And 
yes, some of them are a little bit negative, warning you about uh, something not so great heading your way or to a family member's way. But I think that's because we are kind of programmed with this fight or flight innate sense in us. And so I think that our sixth sense, our intuitive sense is within us as another layer of protection. Does that make sense? Like if if you think about us way back in the cave days, right? We needed that intuitive sense so that we knew if we heard that little twig breaking, Mm -hmm. it might be someone, a predator coming to get us a big lion or something. And I think a part of a part of that intuition has stayed with us throughout all of these ancestral years. And we need that. And so I think that's why a lot of those precognitive dreams tend to be a little bit negative. However, I've had wonderful precognitive dreams that have foretold pregnancies and weddings and all sorts of great things. And I have stories in the book of people who have dreamt the lottery numbers. Now, I have not done that, but can you imagine? And the most recent one was recent. Like I wanted, I'd have to look at the book, which is not in front of me, but I think it was 2009. Someone played numbers that they dreamt in Virginia and won the lottery. So there are beautiful, wonderful precognitive dreams. I just think the reason why some of them are negative is because it's a way for the universe to say to us, heads up, something that has been planned is coming your way, but it's going to be okay. You're going to get through it. Are those things in the precognitive dreams then unchangeable? Are they kind of, is that like receiving kind of a sealed envelope from spirit going open this if you want to know what's going to happen next? Or do we have the power to to change that? You know, I think that's such an age old question. And I do write about that, the fate versus destiny, the, you know, destiny versus free will debate. And and I can only speak from my experience. And in, in my experience, when I have had a precognitive dream, I have not been able to change it. However, having the precognitive dream gave me a heads up and it gave me a sense of, okay, this was planned. This was part of my soul plan, meaning I'm supposed to get through this. Everything in life is uh, to me, it's it's like a braid, a beautiful braid of of destiny, fate, and free will. And our job is to react to the destined moments, the fated moments, and take positive actions in our free will moments to make those fated destined moments more amenable to what we want to do for our soul's growth. I am sure there are stories out there where people had a precognitive dream and were able to prevent it. It's just in, in the stories that have been sent into me and in the precognitive dreams I've experienced, there is no way I could have changed them. I wonder then how we should respond when we have a precognitive dream. Should we freak out? Should we ignore it? Should we obsess about it? Should we? What is the right way to honor the dream and also mm, honor the fact that we're choosing our own path in relation to that dream? Mm, That's a really good question. I think if we have a precognitive dream that kind of scares us, the fear, fear very rarely helps us. Have you noticed that? Uh Like if you're walking home late one night and someone's following you, okay, fear's a good thing. And it's going to tell you speed up or pull out your mace or call 911. (laughs) But most of our life, I don't think fear is a very good friend. And so I think if you have a precognitive dream that that 
scares you. It's it's not going to help to worry about it. But what you can do is think, okay, what can I do to take action steps towards this? So take, for example, in, in the book, I talk about this precognitive dream I had that recurred where my former husband was shot in the neck in the line of duty. And that dream re- repeated for over a month. And so what did I do? Well, I made him wear his bulletproof vest to work every night, which he hated to do. I had an Archangel Michael necklace blessed by our priest and made him wear it every night, which he did not like to do. Most men aren't like, yeah, so let me, let me wear jewelry, please. But <laughs> I, I made him do those two things. And I prayed every time he went into work that he would be safe. Now, was he shot in the line of duty in the neck? Yes, he was. But even though everyone, every doctor on that team said he would not survive the night, would not survive the week, would not survive the coma. Like it was just every, every step he beat their predictions. They would, you know, it was more negativity. I kept focusing on the positivity. And the one thing I remember saying, you know, as an officer being shot in the line of duty, that hospital was flooded with police officers from five different States. Mm -hmm. And I would walk up and down those hallways and I would say to them, do not pray that he doesn't die pray that he lives. Cause I, I believe so much in the positive side of prayer, you know, keep all the negative out of it. And so I asked each one of them, pray that he lives. Don't say, please don't let him die. Cause I didn't want anything with death around that. And uh, so I just said, pray that he lives, pray that he lives. And, you know, I'm so happy to say he lived and he is fine today. And so I think that when we have these negative precognitive experiences, we can take precautions. We can do our best to prepare. Um, A lot of miracles occurred that night. The ambulance arrived on um, a prank phone call. And so they just happened to be one block away when it occurred. And if they hadn't been one block away, he wouldn't have lived. The nurse told me that the specific unique type of blood he needed for his transfusion during his surgery just happened to be in that ER room. Hmm. And she said, if we had to go down to the basement like we normally do, he wouldn't have survived that. So all these really, the thoracic surgeon he needed, who was like the specialist for his unique, strange shooting, um, had just been called in on another emergency and was about to leave to go home. If they had to wait for him to come back, he wouldn't have lived. Like, so all these miracles occurred. And so I really do believe that when you are given a negative message, but you pray, whatever, whatever being resonates for you, it could just be your higher self and you pray and you put positive energy and you ask other people to pray with you for that positive energy, I really do think we can affect positive change. Mm. I know that sometimes people, especially people who are waking up to their own intuitive abilities, who are curious about this stuff and exploring, that they can be frightened of the kinds of experiences and connection with spirit that are possible through dreams and in other ways as well. And you're, and you're right. You were talking about how fear limit things. Fear can color intuition. It can twist. It makes it hard for us to know if what we're receiving is genuine intuitive information or just us playing a game with ourselves, right? Just scaring ourselves to death with that idea of prayer and positivity. How can we create a non-scary space for greater awareness of our dreams? And how can we walk with maybe more power and assurance through our own dreams? I think that all comes from the self. I know when I was first awakening to my intuition, I was very scared. 
I thought for sure there would be, I don't know, shadow people, demons, something negative around the corner. Uh, I was raised Catholic. I'm still a practicing Catholic. So I had all of that. Everything everything that I do for a living, Karen, is against the catechism of my church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even yoga. I yeah. still I still just want to ask Pope Francis, like, really, what do you have against down dog? But, <laughs> you know, what can I do? So I had a lot of fears that were real fears. Like, am I going to let something negative in? But then I had a lot of societal fears too. And I'll tell you, it really was my dreams that helped me to heal that. I had this profound dream experience where this elderly man uh, greeted me in my bedroom and I knew I was sleeping, but I knew I was awake. So it was a form of lucid dreaming. And he asked me to come into my kitchen and there were all these people in my kitchen. And he said, go on, darling. They just want to shake your hand. And the minute I shook their hand, I saw the last minute, three, five minutes of their life. Mm. And that's all I did in this dream experience was I witnessed each of these. There were about several people in my kitchen and I just witnessed their last moments on earth. And he's the older man said to me, they needed that. They needed someone to witness their death so they could fully cross over. And then he tucked me into bed and he pulled the covers up and he said, now, was that so scary, darling? And I said, <laughs> No. And he said, we've been trying to come to you for years, but you've always resisted because of fear. And I figured it's not so scary in a dream, is it? And I said, no. And he said, good, good, darling. We'll try this again then. And so I do think that when we're dreaming, our defenses are down. Our egoic mind isn't racing like a hamster on a wheel going, what will people think? Or this is against your church or temple or synagogue, or you're going to let something evil in. All of those defenses are down. The egoic mind is sleeping and only our soul is thriving and flourishing. And so it is always a safe place when we sleep from that point of view. But I also do have a chapter in the book on scary things, things that go bump in the night um, and how to protect yourself from that. And one thing I always tell people, so many of us on the spiritual path, we pray throughout our day. We, We ask for a healthy, happy, wonderful day, but very few of us pray into our night. And so it's very important as you're going to sleep to pray for protection while you sleep as well. And anytime you ask, you do receive. Always. Always. Um, is everyone a night worker? Are there some of us who do the second shift and some of us who do not? Or are we all doing it? It's just that we don't all know it. I wonder that. I don't know if everyone is a night worker. I do think everyone can be, but I think some people and and I and I think I fit into this sometimes too. There are times in your life when it's just a ball of stress and there is so much going on, you wouldn't you wouldn't want anyone to ask you to help them if they had to, right? Have you ever been in those moments of your life where you're just so busy and so stressed out and trying to do 50 different things and you're pulled? I mean, there were times when my kids were little, I felt like an octopus, just pulled <laughs> in, you know, a million different directions. And in those times, I think when we sleep, we just need to sleep. And our dreams in those times are more metaphorical. Mm -hmm. You know, that's when you tend to have the flying dreams or you're walking through the house and you discover a room you never knew about, those more typical metaphorical dreams. But I do think that when we're ready, 
when we're primed and prepared. And when we start to have a prayer in our heart that says something like, use me spirit to do your will, you know, let me be of service. Whenever our heart utters that prayer, I think that's when we become light workers during the day and night workers at night when we sleep. For someone listening who wants to start to experiment with not just remembering their dreams, but wants to start experimenting with the kind of creativity and the kind of connection they can have in their dreams. What is the best way to start? We've talked about a lot of ways to kind of set things up. What's the one thing we could do to get started? Believe it or not, you're you're probably going to be surprised by this answer. And if there's any dream scientist out there listening, don't email me because I could be wrong. <laughs> I will be sure that there's an incorrect email available for you <laughs> on the website. So no one will be able to find you. This is just my experience. And luckily, though, most science does back me up. If you give yourself permission and time during the day to daydream, to wander, do you remember when we were kids and we would do that all the time? Like you'd be riding in the back seat and your mom or dad would be driving and you'd look out the window and just let your mind go. Or you'd be sitting in, I don't know, math class and you would just allow yourself to daydream and wander. I bet you during those times, your dreams were more vivid too. A lot of science is starting to show now that our minds are so preoccupied all the time. If we are even you know, stop for a second in a, in a grocery store line, we pick up our phone. We look at a magazine. We don't allow ourselves a moment to just rest and be. And so if you give yourself time throughout the day, what you do during the day is always going to be reflected in your dreams. So if you have a very scary, stressful day at work, you might have a nightmare. But if you have a very carefree, relaxing day where you let yourself kind of wander and daydream or maybe do something creative or doodle or draw, you're going to have more of these esoteric experiences in your in your in your dreams. Also, look at what you're feeding your mind with. You know, if I've got nothing against, you know, Dateline, CSI, I love those shows, too. But if you're only feeding your mind with crime shows and murder mystery podcast and serial killer books or um i don't know fantasy stuff that that that's kind of scaring you you're not going to have good dreams all the time and so watch what you are feeding your mind with and if you fall asleep either meditating or reading poetry or reading a book about dreams or listening to a guided meditation to help prepare yourself for dreaming, all of that's going to help tremendously as well. Who or what is an awake dreamer? I think an awake dreamer is someone who is on the spiritual path and who realizes that we spend a third of our lives sleeping, and yet our soul is conscious 100% of the time. And if we can become awake dreamers... We can utilize that 30% of our lifetime to really help prepare us and help others to be the best, most wonderful version of ourselves we can be. And I think it's a domino effect. I think once we wake up, we help others to wake up. Samantha, how can listeners find you? There'll be that incorrect email address, um, (laughs) tinydreamingsomething at gmail.com. There you go. Um, that how can listeners really find you and connect with your work and get their hands on the book and listen to your podcast? 
So I'm at samanthafay.com. It's F-E-Y, samanthafay.com. I'm on Instagram at Samantha Ofay. And my podcast, Psychic Teachers and Enlightened Empaths, are available anywhere you listen to podcasts. So Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeart, Podbean. And my email is samantha at samanthafay.com. The book is anywhere you can find books. So it's available um, at Target, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And of course, I would love it if you'd ask your local bookseller so we can support smaller bookstores too. Yes, yes, yes. Samantha, thank you for talking with us today. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. That is Samantha Fay. Her new book is The Awake Dreamer, Lucid Dreaming, Astral Travel, and Mastering the Dreamscape. You can find out more about Samantha and her work at samanthafay.com. That's Samantha, F-E-Y, samanthafay.com. You can find her on Instagram where she is, Samantha O. Faye. And of course, you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. That's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events like the online Meet Your Guides class that's coming up on October 10th. And you can even book a private intuitive session with me there if you're so inclined. And if you like puppies and puzzles and yarn along with your out of the fog stuff, please follow me on Instagram where I am Fog City Psychic. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.